Folks, if you're liking what you're getting from 30MPC, the number one way you can support us is by subscribing to our newsletter. Every week, you only get two emails. On Monday, you get a content roll-up of everything that dropped last week. And on Fridays, I pick one topic and I personally write a deep dive on things like how to cold call, how to run a discovery call, or even how to hire an AE. So if you're liking what you're getting here, take two seconds, go to the show notes. You'll see a button to subscribe to our newsletter, or you can go to 30mpc.com backslash newsletter and do it there. We'll catch you soon. Cheers. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. It is a hiring special here with my co-host, Nick Segelski, and the one and only Trish Bertuzzi. We're not going to talk all the prospecting tactics in the world because you can get enough of that from Trish, but we're talking about how to score your next job, especially in this COVID world. Nick, why should people listen? Trish breaks down the best practices for every single stage of a sales job hunt. She talks about defining the companies you want to work for, standing out from the thousands of other applicants, directing the interview towards where your strengths are, and then closing an interview so that you can get the job. Let's do it. Three, two, one, get a job. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. If you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do, do it on the spot. It's not worth adding it to your to-do list, having to look at the item, remember what you need to do. That's going to take you more than two minutes anyway. So do it on the spot, get it off your plate. Now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang. And you can get that documentation for free at the link in the show notes. Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Super Cadence by Influ2, which helps cut through the noise of oversaturated prospecting channels. If you want to get your prospect's attention, you got to do stuff a robot would never do. One of my favorite plays is getting warm introductions to the accounts that I'm targeting via salespeople who work at that account. Salespeople help salespeople. Another approach could be using Super Cadence to run SDR ads to put a face to the name. Now, we worked with Influ2 to put together a special toolkit on ways to humanize your outreach, which you can get for free at the link in the show notes. Today's tactic to triple your connect rate is brought to you by RocketReach, who provides data that lets you reach out to the right person at the right account at the right time. Every time you're reaching out to an account, pull down the contacts again. Yes, I know it sucks, but the average tech tenure is two years, which means 50% of the workforce turns over every year. So look up the account, pull anyone who was hired, and scratch anyone who was left. And one way you can pull verified and accurate data is with Rocket Reach. So if you like this, check out their toolkit on eight ways to triple your cold call connects in the show notes. Today's deal acceleration cheat code is brought to you by Pipedrive, which is a CRM built by sellers for sellers. The best way to drive your pipeline forward is to every single day, pull up a list of all of your open opportunities and look at each opportunity by stage and think, what can I do today that will increase my likelihood of winning this deal? That's how you keep your ops moving forward in between meetings that you have on the calendar. Now, we documented five cheat codes that can help you cut your sales cycle in half with Pipedrive. There's a link in the show notes to steal them. Today's show is brought to you by Exactly Forecasting, which is a flexible sales forecasting solution that uses AI and data to help you call an accurate sales forecast. Gartner says over half of sales leaders don't have high confidence in their forecast. One way we recommend to improve your forecast is to align as a team on explicit attributes that must be true in order to deem a deal forecastable. That way your forecast will get clearer and the team will know where to focus efforts. We put together a forecasting 101 guide with our friends at Exactly. Get it for free in the show notes. All right, Trish, welcome to the show. So let's get your top three actionables for job seekers. All right. Number one, people 
are applying for jobs at an unprecedented rate. You have to stand out from the noise, but you might not have the opportunity to do that because your resume is going to be the first thing that people see. So let's do something different with our resumes. Let's talk about why we're unique and make that the header. Box it out. Sell yourself. Do not send a resume that looks like every other resume out there. Love it. What's number two, Trish? We all sit there when we're job seeking and we're super reactive. We wait for that post to hit LinkedIn or Indeed or Monster. But that's not how life should be. You should be able to pick the companies you want to work for and then go after them. Prospect them. You're in sales, right? So prospect them. So that's tip number two, pick and prospect. Beautiful. Round us out. What's the last one? If you pick and prospect, why wouldn't you nurture as well? So start developing that relationship with the person at that company that you want to hire you. Every once in a while, send them an email. Did you see this article I did made me think of you? Wouldn't it be great if I could put it to use at your company, whatever the case may be? Nurture strategies. Think marketing. So it sounds like what you're recommending folks do is almost put together their account list and then find the contacts at those accounts who they want to reach out to, to ask for a job or ask for an interview. So you can think geography in case you want to go into the office, but you don't have to. Then you want to think about, hmm, what do I want to sell? Do I want to sell marketing automation? Do I want to sell cybersecurity software? Do I want to sell sales engagement? Pick a category because you want to be passionate about what you sell and who you sell to. You also want to think about, okay, where am I in my career and what are my skill sets? What market do I want to sell into? So I know I want to sell in the San Francisco area. Yes or no, depending on the whole remote issue. I know I want to sell sales engagement platforms. I love selling to the SMB because I love selling to the owner of a company where I don't, it's not a committee decision. I'm talking to the guy who can make the, so actually think it through to market. There's so many ways you can build that list and you just need to do it. Do you have any thoughts around the type of company you should be looking at? For example, I knew I was looking at companies from series B to series D because that's a sweet spot of a high growth company. Some people love selling for startups because they want to be part of the solution that figures all that stuff out. Some people don't like it. Some people don't want to go into an existing organization. They want to be big fish, little pond instead of little fish, big pond. Those are the kinds of things you need to think about. So I'm curious. It sounds like we've identified the accounts. What's the approach that you would recommend, Trish, for actually reaching out to contacts? Well, I think it depends on who you're selling to. Like, obviously, I'm a firm believer if I'm going to sell myself, I'm going to go high. I'm going to go high and get pushed down. Some people are more comfortable selling bottom up. That doesn't work for me, especially if I'm selling myself to a company who may not have an open rec. You want to go high. So it's easy to get contact information. So that's not the hard part. But you have to have a message. You have to go to that person and say, yes, I'm a job seeker. But I'm looking for a company that looks like this. You fit the bill perfectly and personalize. 
personalized. And when I say personalized, I don't mean, oh, you like the Red Sox? I like the Red Sox too. That is not personalization. People want business-related personalization. They want to know that you understand their business. So relate what you've done in the past, bring it forward into you can help how you can help them solve some business challenges and go with that. And do you go in straight away asking for the job or do you go in saying like, hey, I want to learn more about you folks, even if you're not hiring? I've heard people do it both ways. So you do want to go with a soft ask, say, understanding that you are not hiring now, but I know executives like yourself are always looking to fill their candidate pipeline. Would you be open to having a conversation with me? And that's the way you do it is I've seen so many reps when I was in my job hunt sending 80 apps a day. And just blind, just blasting the market and nothing comes back. And you're shocked when COVID-19 hits and there are 500 resumes in the stack, right? But you need one conversation to float you to the top. And so what you got to do is instead of sending out the 80 apps, pick 10 companies and add 10 sales reps at each of those companies with a personalized message and ask them for advice on an introductory call. Say, I want to sell for you guys, but I'm looking for your perspective because it looks like you've done pretty well. And then at the end of a 25 minute conversation, you've built some goodwill. And then you can just say, Hey, would you mind floating my resume to the top? You've been here before too. And you know what it's like. I love that Armand. The LinkedIn piece is really impactful. I've been bolder. Like I'll literally make a cold call to the VP of sales. So if you're not in a sales job right now, harass your buddy who's got a Zoom info subscription, find the VP of sales phone number and call that person. Here's what you say. Armand, I know you didn't expect me to call you this afternoon. I'm calling you because I want to be a salesperson for Carta. I've got three reasons why I think I'm a really good fit for your sales team. Do you mind if I tell you those three and then you can tell me if it makes sense for us to have a conversation? Even if you botch the three reasons because you're so nervous, you've earned that person's respect and proved that you'll be willing to pick up the phone. And so when you're having that conversation, how do you typically handle that conversation? Come prepared with something to talk about so you set things up on the right foot. You know what market they're in. You know who else is in that market. You know how they rank against everyone else in that market. You've gone to G2 Crowd and read their reviews. You've gone to Glassdoor and read their reviews. You've done LinkedIn homework. You've looked at their content. It's not a 47-hour thing. I'd be shocked if you had to spend more than an hour and a half. So that competitors thing is really interesting because I can go on a G2 crowd and kind of get a sense of where somebody stacks up. You're going to go on Trust Advisor because they're actually Trust Advisor. Okay, so I'm on Trust Advisor. I'm looking at Armand's company, Carta, because I want to work there. And I see the, the two or three competitors that aren't nearly as good. How do I weave that into the conversation when I'm interviewing with Armand? Am I just dropping, yeah, man, I went on Trust Advisor and, and here's what I saw? Or am I saying, hey, I went on Trust Advisor and I see here's where you stack up against this competitor. It looks like they're better in this particular space. How has your sales team been managing, handling that obje objection? I'm not sure I'd say you're a big loser compared to your competitors. Here are the gaps. Let's talk about those. But I mean, I think it would be important to understand. The question I might ask is saying, look, I've done some research. I've read all the reviews. Obviously, every company has challenges is there a plan in place to address those that the market's just not familiar with? Because if there is, I'd like to participate and bring it to a fruition or something. If I was going to go on an interview right now for a sales development role, I would bring, here's the playbook I wrote. Here's the messaging and process I wrote while I was there. Here's the content 
that I've developed. Bring your portfolio of what you're done. And if you haven't done it yet, that's okay too. Don't think that you have to have it. But if you have it, once again, it goes in the unique category. And use video in the process. Why not get your face in front of who you're trying to get in front of? So talk me through that. How do I actually use video? I've had people send me video recaps after they met me saying how much they appreciated the conversation. And I was like, now it's not weird because I've met you before. And I was like, this is how this person's going to prospect. After they cold call me, they're going to be sending me a video message. They're going to be running the triple, the email, the phone, and the LinkedIn. And that was like, that person stood out in my mind. Trish, I want to rewind to something that you said earlier about the, the actual interview. It's the close. It's the next steps. And I've heard some, some different schools of thought about how you should end a sales interview. But I think the consensus is you don't end it by saying, well, what do you think? What's the right way to end a sales interview without being too pushy and like forcing next steps down their throat while also figuring out where you stand and where you're going in the process? I think you have to ask the standard question, how did I compare to the requirements of the role? And I also like the question, what do you see as logical next steps? Not step, steps, because you want to see the whole picture and not just the next step in the picture. Okay. And so if I ask that question, they say, well, the next thing you're going to do is you've, you've just spoken with me, Armand. Now you're going to speak with Trish, who's our CEO. Is there a good way to get intel on what Trish cares about when I go into that interview so that I'm not just going in cold? I would say, so, oh my God, I'm so excited that I'm going to meet the CEO. What particularly is she going to be asking me about? Like, what are her hot buttons? I want to make sure I'm fully prepared and engaged for that. And that's how you run a sales cycle too, is when you know you're going to meet with the CFO after you ask the controller, hey, what does the CFO care about? You're always getting one step ahead in the sales cycle. You're driving the sale forward. Trish, we've also talked a little bit about like people will come in and they'll start the interview and they'll say, well, Trish, I'm glad you came in today. Walk me through your resume. And it's the classic first question that starts that oftentimes begins a 10 minute monologue. And so how should reps start that interview? I'm saying... I'm more than happy to do that, but there's eight years of experience on this resume. Are there particular areas you want me to focus on? You're pushing back a little and asking for clarification. Like, what are they interested in? Why were you only there for a year and eight months? Because I'm going to tell you, people are going to volunteer that up. They're going to say, well, I went here and then they, they got acquired. So I left and I followed my boss over here. Like, who cares about that stuff? I want to know, like, what did you learn? Too many people try to give their entire resume. And one of the things I like to do is a reversal where I'll even say at the beginning, well, I'm, I'm happy to walk you through my resume. The last thing I want you to sit through is a five minute brain dump on everything I've ever done. So how about I give you a 30 second overview of what I think is probably most important to the job. And then you can tell me if there are specific areas you want me to dig into. And so it's literally as short as I sold insurance for two years. I ran a startup for two years. I worked in venture for two years. I came to Carta, did 225% of my number as an AE. They said, take what you're doing, multiply it across 30 SDRs. And that's the intro. What do you want to talk about next? Yeah. So what I do is I actually take the conversation and I steer it in the direction that I know that it needs to go. So your current job or the job that you just left might not be the reason that you are a great fit for the job you're interviewing for right now. It might have been two or three jobs ago. So what I'll usually do is when they say, hey, can you walk me through your resume is my response is, 
Armand, I'm happy to do that. I think the piece of my experience that's most relevant to being an AE at Carta would be this. And then you point to where you want to take the interview. That helps for two reasons. One, you spend the most amount of time on the piece that's most relevant. Two, I'm not saying you dodge a weak spot, but instead of just spending the entire interview talking about a weak spot, you're talking about your strengths. It's been my technique almost every job I've interviewed for. And one thing that I'm noticing about your responses, Trish, you're always calibrating a little bit. You're constantly reading the interview. You're asking a question before answering the question. And you're also keeping your responses relatively short. You're not going on these massive, massive monologues where people can't get a word in. Being net-net is a lost start. <laughs> you know what I mean? What does net-net mean? Does that mean the uh, talk-to-listen ratio is, is similar? Just be succinct. I have some dear friends, and this is what I say about them. He never met a sentence he couldn't turn into a paragraph. You just want brevity. Armand, is that something you're seeing a lot in the interviews that you're leading where somebody will ramble and ramble for 10 minutes straight on a point that's not really relevant to you? Yeah, Nick, I mean, you'll get a question like, you haven't sold in this industry before. How do you plan to tackle that? And I'll get these crazy 10-minute responses that handle every possible thing that could go wrong in the venture space as opposed to the marketing tech space, right? But in reality, Nick, you need to use the question behind the question. Yeah, it's the idea that you have to understand the information that the interviewer is looking to get by asking that question. Maybe they have a really specific concern about transitioning reps from one space to another. And if you can say, well, I appreciate that question you just asked. I'm curious, have you struggled with that in the past on your team? They're then going to respond and they're going to give you some more context. Now you can be incredibly targeted in the way that you respond and handle that quote unquote objection. There are all the other little things that we've talked about when it comes to perception management. We talked about beforehand, getting on that pre-call with them, having your resume set up properly, getting the proper lighting done. We didn't dig into this a ton, But a lot of people will say you should bring in your plan to action. And Nick, I know you've worked on this a lot yourself, and it's also helped me get jobs. Have you ever seen reps or have you yourself said, hey, when I come in and I'm hired to do this job, here is the 30, 60, 90 planner. Here are the 10 things that I'm going to get done to prove that I'm number one. One of the most critical parts of being successful in sales is your onboarding program. What I think I would find very helpful is if someone came prepared and said, you know what, I've worked at three companies. They all had such different onboarding programs. Here's what I found extremely beneficial. So if I was lucky enough to join your business, these are the kind of things that I'm hoping you could help me with. One of the things that's been really impactful in my past interviews was putting together a plan to action. I called it a 7, 14, and 30-day plan of attack. And what I put on there, you can't template this thing. You've actually got to use your brain, is come up with what are the actions that you personally need to take, not the things your company is going to give you, but the actions that you personally need to take to get ramped as effectively as possible. So you can put things on there like shadowing reps calls, reviewing competitors' websites, and literally list the competitors that you found on the internet, looking up the pricing plan and figuring out what leverage you have available to you. So literally brain dump all of the things that you know you need to know to sell and then put them in a document and show it to your potential boss. It's going to blow their mind and help you as you onboard. 
And then you got to cinch it all together. You got to close. And there are so many sales interviewers who believe that if you do not close them, it's a huge red flag. And it's as simple as like, look, do you mind if I ask you a brutally honest sales question? And the person will always say yes. But like, well, honestly, I, I find that people tend to make their decisions live and you have a good idea of whether or not I'm going to be a fit for the job. And so I would really appreciate it if you would share any reservations you have about me as a candidate so I can just address these in open air. And so now that you've closed it up, Trish, when we think about interview follow-up, you talk a lot about staying top of mind for people. How should people be following up afterwards? A recap. Here's why I, th I think I'm a great fit. Not just thank you for your time. Here's why I think I'm a great fit. This is what you said potential next steps look like. When can we move the ball forward or whatever? So many people just sail off into the night. And they're terrified to show any personality. They just do the classic thank you email. It's like, thank you for the time. I am confident in my abilities to succeed in your job. And it's like, come on, folks, like recap the conversation. Give them a sales email, right? Say, this is what you told me and here's why, why it resonated with me and personalize it. You need one job. So you better not be blasting out the emails. Trish, this has been a blast. And uh, as always, we got to ask one question at the end. And that one question is, there are a ton of good habits. We've talked about building your target list, which sounds like you're cold calling, but you're job hunting. We talked about getting your resume straight, answering the questions in a non-super long fashion, but they're all the bad habits that we got to break too. And so if there was one thing that every rep needed to stop doing right away, what would that be? People who think their company owes it to them to make them successful are wrong. You own the success of you. If you want to watch a webinar, watch it. Sign up. You'll get the recording. Watch it on your own time. Read. Books are an awesome digital detox. And there are amazing books on the selling profession out there. Amazing. You have to think of it as a craft. You're never going to know everything about it. So it's constant learning, constant learning, constant learning. And nobody owes that to you. You, you owe it to yourself to make that investment. And by the way, you can go pick up Trish's book, the one, the only, the sales development playbook. Trish, is there anything else that you want to leave the audience before we sign off? Listen to these guys. This was so much fun. I learned a lot and I've been doing this a long time. So make sure you keep tuning in. Alrighty, folks, everybody stay tuned for a 60 second recap email coming soon. Cheers. This actionable competitive tactic from Clue is the trap question. Steer discovery toward the winning zone. If we're competing with a podcast that has no newsletter or webinar series, we might ask a trap question like, how do you figure out if those podcast listeners are making their way to your mailing list? And when you're in a head-to-head, -head, there's no better way to prepare for your next competitive battle than with our trap questions and battle card templates from our friends at Clue. The link's in the show notes. Here's my secret to being a sales superhuman. It's auto reminders for everything. If I expect any reply from a prospect, I press command H and superhuman pops it right back into my inbox if I don't get a reply in two days. That means if you handle an objection, if you suggest times for a meeting, or if you ask for cuts back on red lines, always create a two-day reminder task and assume they will not reply. So if you want to follow up on time every time, you can get a free month of superhuman by checking it out in the show notes.
Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Woodpecker. When you're sending a sales email, you generally want to avoid putting punctuation in the subject line. If you've got an exclamation point, it makes it seem like you're shouting at them. Look at this amazing offer. And a question mark just smells salesy. So avoid punctuation. Now, if you want to steal my full sales cadence from my friends at Woodpecker, there's a link in the show notes for you to go get it and try it for free. Your top four takeaways of this episode include, number one, build your target list of companies just like you would a sales prospect list. Do it by geography, by stage, by market, by product, by deal size, and that's how you decide who you're going to prospect into, which is number two. Cold prospect directly to people that you're looking to get in touch with in your job fund. Go and add a bunch of sales reps and get referred up in the hiring process. Number three, when you get into that interview, redirect the walk me through your resume question to focus on your strengths and what is relevant for the job. Don't brain dump for 10 minutes. And then number four, you got to close your interviews. You got to ask for the business. And if you want the cherry on top, you got to hit them with the plan to action. Nick, how can people help us out? Well, here's the piece where I normally ask our listeners to subscribe, but I don't even want you to do that this week. This week, if you get any value from the show whatsoever, please send it to one of your friends or colleagues and say, hey, I kind of like this podcast. You might like it. You might hate it. Give it a listen. It would help us out a ton. Thanks, guys. See you next week on 30 Minutes to President's Club. Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Super Cadence by Influ2, which helps cut through the noise of oversaturated prospecting channels. And if you want to get your prospect's attention, you got to do stuff a robot would never do. One of my favorite plays is getting warm introductions to the accounts that I'm targeting via salespeople who work at that account. Salespeople help salespeople. Another approach could be using Super Cadence to run SDR ads to put a face to the name. Now, we worked with Influ2 to put together a special toolkit on ways to humanize your outreach, which you can get for free at the link in the show notes. Today's show is brought to you by Exactly Forecasting, which is a flexible sales forecasting solution that uses AI and data to help you call an accurate sales forecast. Gartner says over half of sales leaders don't have high confidence in their forecast. One way we recommend to improve your forecast is to align as a team on explicit attributes that must be true in order to deem a deal forecastable. That way your forecast will get clearer and the team will know where to focus efforts. We put together a forecasting 101 guide with our friends at Exactly. Get it for free in the show notes.